0: Right, welcome, everyone, to uh, episode four of uh, Deciphering uh, Software Modernization. I'm Sam, software cross-person at Codurance.
1: Mac? I'm Mike, software cross-person at Codurance. Uh, and I'm Abdul, uh, delivery manager at Codurance.
0: Excellent. Introductions out the way, and on we go. So, I mean, I, I really always wanted to kick this off. Obviously, last time we spoke about uh, discovery, and uh, the discovery part. Um, that happens in software modernization projects. One thing I want to talk about is just keep yourself, but it's really random. Um, but it, I feel like um, in discovery, maybe as well, but also when you start to get into the solution space and you start, you've, you've done the discovery, you move on, it's just the creativity that you need. You need to be creative. Um, you can't necessarily come with like boilerplate. Uh, solutions, you know, oh, this is this is exactly what's going to work here, um, or, or or even the mindset of this, this hasn't worked um, before. What do you guys think about that, about being creative? And I'm not on about like, you know, painting pictures and stuff. I mean, like, you know, creative, uh, in a sense of soft, software development.
2: Well, so I think it's, uh, you know, we're past the discovery phase. And I guess the stakeholders agreed to most of the things that were figured out there. So I guess, the team was creative enough, so that's like phase finished. And it was successful in a way that you have a backlog and uh, we can move to the next part, I guess. But um, I guess on a, like, a more general, general level, it's, um, I guess, soft modernization project is about, you know, being innovative and uh, ingenuitive as well. And the creativity aspect is um, very, very important. The one thing to keep in mind is, during all of that experimentation uh know when to actually see that it's not going maybe the place where it should be going so having in mind is like sunken cost fallacy in mind that that may happen actually so uh no when you know experimentation too much experimentation is too much and okay let's not go that route more and let's let's try something else for example right so uh, that's from my experience right so um, just to be aware of that all so,
0: the time. So, so not ended up with like a never ending spike basically for Serious
2: example it's, it's, this is going back to like the discovery phase itself where uh, you need to be creative you need to figure out a lot of things analyze but then again it's like okay that is enough uh let's start doing something and then once we start doing as well it's it may may have not been the best idea in the end right we don't know in the end it seemed to be but once you start implementing things and working on some of the modernization work it may not sometimes out to be like the best best bet in the end and you have to as a team lead, for example and a team in its entirety to be aware of that and say okay that's maybe we should regroup and rethink something so
0: that makes sense so, so you're saying that constantly reevaluate and, and look at the, the path that you're treading and actually try try and recognize, um, is this actually where you want to go? Is it working out? And, and try and do that as soon as as you can, which is obviously relative to, depending on what you're doing.
2: Yeah, and software projects, especially modernization, it's very rarely that whatever was um, discovered and you know agreed upon at the beginning is like the end solution. And it's quite rare, I would say, from my experience. So it's always at least some kind of variation of the solution. It's not very different.
0: Also, I guess the the, the the problems you encounter are often quite different and special. They're not necessarily um, other problems you might encounter on different projects. I you know right at the beginning of the series, we spoke about greenfield projects. The, some of the issues that you encounter are quite different, and so they would require different solutions. Um, whereas in software modernization, um, yeah, I do feel you have to sort of have that creative element. But you're right that you need to have that ability to recognize when you need to regroup and say, actually, maybe we need to reconsider this approach. The thing
2: that whatever happened during the discovery is shouldn't be taken for granted for the entirety of the project. That's kind of the thing. So you always need to be
0: aware. As you were talking, Mark, just made me think about, uh, yeah, just the the, the agility uh, that people often think about. A new um, Greenfield project is just as much needed uh, in a software modernization project. And people might overlook that and not actually appreciate that you do need that level of agility to think well this might not be going in the direction we want to we're going to have to pivot um etc and, and try something else and, and as you say not sort of have that that march to the end
1: um without actually you know um when you know that something's not right i was actually uh, as you were speaking i was thinking a little bit about how much creativity is actually needed in a modernization project because so I think it's it's actually necessary all the way through the life cycle. Um because in many ways creativity comes from constraint. So you know if we think about even art, um there's a natural constraint. You might be painting in two dimensions and you have to try and how do you how do you create three dimensionality to your to your painting? I think there's a, a substantial aspect of that in software development, right? So you know in a in an ideal world there is no creativity. You apply the pattern as it is and it's all it's all perfect. Um, but in reality, and I'd say especially in mod, uh, modernization um, projects, you have a lot of constraints. You have constraints in, in how software may be designed, uh, in in the role and responsibility of that software, and the distribution of its domain. Um, and these constraints mean that you often have to think outside the box, right? You've got to come up with this different way of solving the problem that no one else may have, may have Kind of come up with um often, I think that's where there's a lot like kind of r and d aspect of modernization where you kind of come across this issue. It's a very unique permutation. You're not going to find anything in stack Overflow, and you really have to kind of whiteboard and think, okay, how are we going to get over this hurdle? Um, so i i I would tend to agree I think creativity is is really important all the way through the life cycle uh, in order to overcome what can be quite substantial technical hurdles. some people will face problems
0: and be like, it's just not going to work, you know. You know, like you, you say yeah. you're you running an experiment. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, it's not going to work. But actually, particularly in soft organization if you have evaluated different solutions, the, the, the say you're in experiment A and you've identified that you there's three potential ways you could go. Sometimes, um if the other ones actually are like you've already looked at them, and you say actually they're not going to be a better solution, then. Sometimes you actually find a way in the first experiment to find a way to get through, and as you say, be creative. And you're, you know, something where you initially confronted um, a problem and you came to a conclusion. Wow, how? That's it. You know, you can't just cut it off and say that's it. It's not gonna. It's not gonna be possible. But for sure, there may be some constraints that you just just can't can't beat. And you say actually, it wouldn't be worth our time and money to to try and tackle this. But yeah, there, there are some way a bit more time and a bit more thought, and it's just a bit more creativity. You can overcome them um and actually get through um so yeah no it's a, it's a good point abdul
2: yeah you have to be well this is like we are working like a creative space right so software engineering like platform engineering this is like you know very creative space like intrinsically right um but like software modernization project is, is has this, this special license of this like maybe not like crazy scientist but this like for experimentation i guess more than Obviously than a typical maintenance project, well, what just meet your SLAs, right? Just you know, make sure the tickets are are uh, you know processed progressed and done basically. and in greenfield, it's usually tons of that at the beginning, but then it's a race for the deadlines, mostly, right as well. instead of like promoting that creativity is just, okay, we had enough of that. Let's just get the deliverables out there so that you know the stakeholders are happy and our deadlines are met. And, I guess in software modernization, that's kind of intrinsic nature of that kind of project that's that's creativity from the beginning till the very end
0: i want to I want to move the conversation on slightly uh, just because uh, we've touched on a few things. Um, and I want to talk about so you've you finished you finished the discovery. you are just sort of beginning um, I don't want to say implantation, but you're onto the next phase, whatever uh, you know each team want to call that um but you're actually starting to work in the solution space. And as you say, you may be running some experiments. Um is, is there like a gap? Do you do you advocate like a gap between starting one phase and the other? Or is it like, will it start the next day, the same day as you finish discovery? Like how do you how do you do that? And is there any sort of I don't know, celebration as well um, of
1: finishing the discovery, which could which could be two weeks, could be, could be longer. Um what do you guys think? So for me, personally, I, I like to try and time box the discovery. Um, I think it's really important. So, you know, we talk about sprint zeros. Um, I think they're important because more often than not, you'll never have enough information. And it's kind of natural to start with a bit of discomfort um, because, um, the reality is is that your first few iterations will also be kind of discoveries, right? because as you start to work in that software as you start to work to refactor the kind of business logic, to start to understand the test cases, um, there's a lot of you know detailed discovery essentially going on as you as you practically work with it. and it's probably not until a good few iterations in at least in my experience, that you really start to see the velocity come in from starting to understand the domain, um, you know, at a truly detailed level. Um, so I, I have a preference, you know, time box set, um, and then you say, all right, you know, on this day, all things going well, we'll we'll get started. Um, I think that's very important. I think it's also uh, important, um, and I think Matt should probably touch on it a little bit more, to to recognize, you know, where we've got to. Um, more often than not, you know, at the end of a discovery, it can be a bit disparaging, right? Because you kind of, you've learned a lot, but, you know, it's that kind of aspect of learning a little bit sometimes can show off how ignorant you are, you know? So you, you kind of see that the the kind of scope that you need to to learn about. Um So I think it's important to also recognize you have learned a lot and and you will continue to learn as we implement, but we're out of that phase where we're just dedicating time to, to try and discover the demand. Now we're going to, Work on it and do that discovery, or, or learn more as we as we implement. Go on, on Matt. You you have you have your thunder.
0: <laughs> I know you got, you got you got you got so much to talk about. I, I want to come back to a few things you said, Abdul. But you you go first, mate.
2: Many times uh, we are discussing uh, you know uh, the team health and that kind of aspect. And uh, as we discussed last time, the discovery phase is quite taxing on the team, on the health, and uh, in that area. So. It's just important you know it's okay just close this chapter and you know celebrate in some way and how you should do that i guess it's not the the <laughs> the topic of this conversation it's up to each team to decide uh what to do well it's uh, well it's not as easy it used to be like um right now the most like remote era but still um just something official like a celebration that you know the team knows that this the chapter has ended and there's something new happening so that's it's a small thing, it may seem to be a small thing, but it's it's important. And uh, the celebration should be a part then of like an ongoing um, um, things that the team does, right? So whenever there is a success, let's do a small celebration, whatever that is, but let's market with that kind of celebration. So that's important because you thought discovery was hard. Well, it's going to get probably even harder <laughs> Uh, at this point, right? Because now there is um, some expectations, right? So stakeholders are expecting some certain things to be done, certain areas to be looked at. And so um, uh, what I cannot like from the beginning, I guess like software modernization is all about that change management in some ways. We want to change things, I guess, not only the software, but also how people I mean the cultural aspect, maybe even of the organization, or if it's a, it's a smaller uh, endeavor, like within a department, for example, I guess, or certain workload. Um. So I think it's it's important. It's there's uh, because usually there's a lot of problems these stakeholders will have at the very moment, right? There's a lot of burning things that I don't know they're hindering the uh, lead time to to production. So if you start with, okay, we are modernization team, let's figure out a grand vision. We know more or less, you know, the, the, the discovery, the analysis, let's figure out the grand vision, let's like work about work on that grand vision. And that may not be the best idea, right? Probably you you should start with actually digging into whatever is the like um is biting the most the existing business agility, I guess. And in like with time like working on that vision as well but just something to keep in mind if we go okay let's think about the vision and i made that mistake as well myself um you may find yourself that you know you may lose you know in the eyes of your stakeholders because they still have those very burning problems you know keep talking about this vision instead of actually helping them in the very moment right so just something to keep in mind
0: um at the very beginning of your actual work, well, there's so many things to dig into, and in, in what you both said, so many nuggets. One, one thing, if you don't mind that, I'm just going to go back to something uh, Abdul said and then week. There's, there's those things in my head, and feel free to do the same as well. Um, was um, you sort of said Abdul, and it's a really good point that that it's not necessarily that you end the discovery, and that's it. You said that, you know those those sort of activities will continue into the next phase, um, and I think that's a really good point because. It, it it would be possible that people would get the impression that that's it. it in those two weeks you you've learned everything that's it there's no more no more discovery right and, and some people might think oh that's it brilliant right clear path and and as, as matt you were saying that you, you don't just take it for granted and say well this is what we're exactly going to do it's set in stone and it's never going to change so i think it's really important to actually have that uh have those expectations that discovery will continue. We'll we'll always discover things. Um, we'll always continue discovery, and there'll be experiments, etc. But it's more that in that next phase. There's more of a switch and a bias towards like action that that, that actually results in 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 visible things that you're going to see and changes and work towards that. Um, whereas the discovery might be more um, information gathering, uh, trying to better understand the problem, so you can then. Put yourself in the in, in the best place you can at least at the time um for the next phase so it's it's a really good point um abdul that it's not quite as clear cut as discovery's finished oh there'll be no more discovery work um etc so that's was, that's was pretty good so i just want to pick up on that there was there was loads of things to pick up on but that was that was uh good some good nuggets um so i mean you, you haven't got any examples mac of, of celebrations celebration ideas for people <laughs> As long as it's there, as long as some kind of yeah, celebration yeah. is
2: there, right? So, I don't know. It's maybe actually, uh, uh, I know it may be weird, but doing some kind of a hackathon for a day or something, maybe a bit, not what you think of a celebration, but it may be some kind of a celebration, right? So, actually, instead of just talking, like, let's actually do some things and start with, like, a hackathon or something, for example. And then maybe let's bring in some people from outside of our team, outside of the modernization team as well, to that. To, Chip in as well, so that celebration might be actually some actual
0: benefits uh, for the future. Actually, so I think there's a lot of stuff to be to be mined as well. You sort of spoke about it, Mac, around the fact that the discovery itself, there, there is actually a lot of stuff being being delivered. Even the information, the things you uncover uh, in the discovery, can be extremely useful um, to whoever the stakeholders are, um, and that's not to be underestimated as well. Like. Um, discovery, of course, is mainly, you know, predominantly about understanding the solution information gathering. However, there's lots of things that and actually value that can be delivered in that in that time. Um, And I've seen it happen before, Um, which on the flip side, and and you you mentioned this as well, is you can also create an expectation as well, because you you even within that initial stage where people maybe wouldn't have the perception that you've been delivering value so so early and so often. Then they're like, "Oh, great, you know, Abdul, you're doing a great job. Look at look what you've done in the discovery. this is you really some information we didn't we didn't actually know that um about our product. and then, I, then it creates the expectation um, of all those initial um sprints and and then from then on. Um, but that's the that's the challenge as well. How can you, you know how can you keep pushing and improving as a team um, to meet those expectations that you you set quite early
1: on as well in the discovery? It's a really good point, actually. um especially on on kind of discovering essentially the scope of the problem. So, you know, I think we've all been in that situation where we've been given a very kind of broad problem statement. You know, we can't deliver software without defects or, um, you know, it takes six months to release software. And very quickly, um, you know, through the discovery and through the implementation especially, you start to uncover a lot of problems typically. Um, and as you said, there can be an expectation that it, it's uh, something that can be done immediately. Um, I do tend to caution. I mean, obviously, we don't necessarily want to talk about uh, scope creep in the, in the traditional sense. Um, but certainly, maintaining the priority, I think, becomes really important. So, you can you will find more messes than you can solve. Um, and I think it's important that you highlight those. Okay, these are things that, you know, on a strategic basis we can put on a backlog and say, okay, we need to maybe you know look at our config management. We need to look at maybe our infrastructure's code, maybe we need to look at maybe you know the version of the software we're using. But to put it in context of what the priorities are, you know, these are things that we can do, but might not be something we do immediately because we have other things to challenge, um, So other challenges to address. Um, and I do think it's very important you do that, otherwise you can end up in a situation, I feel, where you end up kind of just, you know, um, trying to fix everything all at the same time, you know, without that particular focus. So we've got to do that, we've got to do that, we've got to do this. Uh, and you're not necessarily delivering the value um, that you would otherwise be doing if you had focused simply on what is providing the highest value to the business and to, to the client at that instance in time. Um and it's it's difficult because it can, it can be big issues that you want to fix immediately. But I do think you have to have that constraint and that discipline to focus on. Okay, document it, present it, put it on the backlog, focus on top priority. Like I don't know, like in initial stages,
0: um, you know, the person you're working with might say we're having issues deploying bug free changes. Uh, we have, and we also have. Uh, long QA cycles. And also the application is quite slow. And it's actually noticed by the end users using it like it's visible, um, like degradation and performance. And as you said, well, how, how do you what are your tips for for helping them know where to start? And it's going back a bit to what you said, Mac around that you have this vision, but also there's some things that maybe are some pain points that are hurting um, right now.
2: So I think we touched on like two things here, like the typical prioritize and execute right so whatever during the discovery happens we also make it clear that we're going to focus on one thing only and we'll try to deliver it, bring it to the end as soon as possible and with a as holistic uh solution as possible i would say but also just to close down on the discovery itself um something that came to my mind is um A lot of the times, again, it depends on the stakeholder and the steering group, whatever is uh, like uh, someone that modernization effort. Um, They may be, okay. you know that there's just some bad things happening, try to figure out. But you may have like very dedicated stakeholders and they think they know what is the problem. And just keep in mind that you may need to actually break their heart a bit, that there's something else is a problem. And you shouldn't be afraid of doing that. So that's something important to keep in mind, actually. And it's your, like, beauty and job. As you know, software modernization seems to actually pinpoint that those original thoughts and ideas of the stakeholder, what is the cause of the problem is, well, it is, not. It is, but it's only a part of the problem. And there's actually a bigger problem. And this is how it is, right? And what was your problem, what you thought, is not what we propose to work as the first step, for example. So it's something to keep in mind, not be afraid to um, um, tell that to the stakeholders, right? Um, so not to follow whatever, you know, from their initial advice, because they're the stakeholders. No, it's like you're there to question that, right? And don't be afraid of doing
1: it. I think another thing to, to add on that, to help you manage their stakeholders as well is to remember to be, relatively agile with all this so you know we're going to prioritize the most important things um we're going to agree that with our stakeholder you know as difficult a conversation as that is also to focus on delivering in small increments throughout the project because that's what's going to give you the flexibility to you know be able to get to other priorities right so if you if you focus on potentially a very large scope of work um that's going to go on for six months or a year. Um, it doesn't really give you the opportunity to, you know, change priorities based on what adds the most value to the business in that in that instance and in time. So I think being focused on trying to deliver small increments and essentially nudge your key metrics or whatever it is you're trying to solve in the right direction. Um, so then you can see whether other things become a higher priority, whether there's more return for other priority items that you need to, to modernize or refactor within your, within your software or architecture. Um, so I think that's always really important, right? Like we talk about discovery and implementation, but it's always about keeping it tight, tight discovery and with tight, uh, increments on within your implementation that allow you to reprioritize as you go through your project life cycle
2: yeah and isn't it, that the case Abdul, like a lot right so the stakeholders they have so many ideas they pull, try to pull on so many strings and it's like your job actually you're going to pull on this one because if we just follow whatever stakeholders telling you telling you so many things that are all over the place you'd be uh dissolved in your work right they wouldn't be able yeah. to uh uh actually deliver like uh, fast enough something
0: tangible yeah like the, the world doesn't sit still for six months, so you need to be aware that you know things can change, the landscape can change, um, and also as you get further into it, um, you may discover things to say. Actually, we need to reassess, as, as Matt was saying uh, at the beginning. It might not be a complete change in direction, um, but it might be that actually this is a problem that we've noticed. This needs to be solved, and as you said, it might not be the problem that some would want to hear solved, or it's one of those things where maybe people all know it's a problem, but no one wants to solve it because they're like oh this is going to be a real a real pain to solve this thing uh, but actually could be fundamentally like one of the one of the things that would actually them the most bang for their buck to, so to speak yeah but have a three and some conversation on the discovery phase
2: you should be able to have at least those like two sets of, of of data one for like sdlc um what are the impediments in the sdlc what are problems in the sdlc so the typical the the four like the metrics of like you know lead time to production you know mean time to recover you know the de- um, uh, delivery frequency and you know change failure rate plus the more architectural ones right so uh, in terms of security scalability availability resilience and performance and you have those conversation and you have like, a, like what is the problem with architecture right now where it should be in terms of those factors where it's not so that would be something to keep in mind, right? To, so, like, having that laser focus on whatever should be the first thing to do. So in terms of, like, tools, tools that you could use, it's, it's a very uh valuable thing. So, SDLC, like uh, inefficiencies and architectural, they're called quality attributes, right? That should be aware where they should be and where
1: they are not at this moment. And that's a really good point, right? Like That's that focus on the problem, you know? Um, and throughout the throughout the lifecycle of your project, I do think you're right. The stakeholders typically try to bring you solutions. Um, we need this implementing. We need that implementing. Um, but I do think you're absolutely right. You need to focus on those key metrics. You know, those outcomes. What are the outcomes you want? Um, and then try to, to kind of deliver those outcomes as the professionals that are recruited to do so. Um, yeah. I agree with you, Mac. I think that's, that's really important, actually.
0: It goes back to what you were saying earlier, uh, Abdul, about the fact that there's no sort of clear division between discovery and what comes next. In one way, I mean, you could view the whole thing as one big experiment, right? You're constantly evaluating uh, how are we doing against the data? Are we are we moving the needle in the right direction? Um, do we need more measures? Uh, because maybe in the beginning you established some measures, but actually they're sort of somewhat imperfect. Um, and you're not going to get absolutely perfect measures but you might decide actually we, we need to pay attention to this this data as well or or develop a mechanism to get that data in the first place um as well which is which is another part of self modernization it might, it's not all going to be super clear and you can maybe have the data sitting on your lap and just be able to uh, read through it you, sometimes even actually the effort of getting that data in the first place um
1: could be a, a step uh up on the on the journey. I would say that the whole thing, is, as you say, it would be a massive experiment simply because you're going to fail a lot, right? Um, so more often than not, you are going to end up making assumptions. You have to make assumptions. At some point, you have to make assumptions. Um, and, you know, that will either, you know, they'll either be proven true, your solution will work, or it won't. Um, and because of that, you every iteration, every increment of work in many ways is... Is its own kind of experiment, right? You write you, your stories. You're making at some level, even with your with your client, there will be some assumption about what the behaviour should be, you know, what the test cases should be, et cetera, so on and so forth. And it's all about, I guess, within that increment, you know, finding out early on that it hasn't, the assumptions haven't haven't been realised. You know, you test it. You think, oh, okay, something's dropped off, or um, you know, some behaviour has changed subtly. Uh, so you're putting those kind of safety net. Um, but inevitably, you know, throughout the cycle, your assumptions are going to be proven either right or wrong, um, which constantly requires re-evaluation um of your plans.
2: Yeah, I think that's uh, that's a key key point here. And this is like where this like sprint zero, I think, should uh be focused around. So this like before we start, what is the safety net and also what are the measurements we are trying we trying to improve upon, I guess. So that they're from the very beginning. They are there and with time we should be moving them to the like the positive direction. And in terms of the safety net as well, that's not like on a more technical basis as well, in terms of having like some you touched upon it, like um during the last conversation, and those like golden master tests, so that kind of safety nets that once you start modernizing things, also you have something in place that will tell you that's well, you want to modernize, but, but also we don't want to break existing stuff, right? So, maybe initially start to think in how to not break those things. What are the metrics we are trying to improve upon? And then only start doing something. For so,
0: it's funny you mentioned golden masters because correct me if I'm wrong, um, Mac. But I think before you've actually used those before as a, as a measure, um, as in you've progressively tried to hit a certain amount of like, this is what the system, the current implementation does. And you've actually progressively worked towards getting them to exactly the same behavior, right? So you've actually used those as a way in themselves to measure, which not a lot of people would actually think to do and use them that way.
2: Yeah, you seems this is like a safety net, purely, right? Uh, but actually, if uh, your modernization is is uh, refactoring on the side type, not refactoring in place, uh, then that is a gr- great indicator uh, of actually your progress, your modernization progress, right? Because if you're modernizing refactoring you're on the side which is this so-called strangler pattern basically so you start fresh so there is no nothing implemented on the side um you still need to run all that golden monster test suite as you do for the legacy part which is passing it's green your is red and it's going to be red until the very end of the very last line that you re-implement refactor it will be green, right? So yes, it's it's actually an interesting uh, thing with golden Masters that can they can actually be that very tangible, explicit um, form of measuring your modernization progress if we are talking about refactoring
1: certain workflow, for example. Yeah, might be worth for our viewers uh, describing exactly what golden Master is a golden master test is compared to you know standard integration or acceptance tests. We we have some uh, we
0: have some blogs written by uh, maybe people on this call I don't know but <laughs> but no I mean yeah absolutely uh, Abdul it's a great point um, I'd say for, for me I mean the definitions vary to a degree but it, it's the idea that uh, usually when you're writing um, say like a unit test or integration test um, I mean obviously if you're using TDD you're saying what you expect to happen so like what what what's the behaviour of the system that I expect. And then um, you you write your test, and then is the it's the code uh, doing as you expect? The main the main difference for me, um, and you can have, you can have golden masters that are unit and integration, but generally you wouldn't. They're slightly higher level, but the difference is that you're you're sort of you're running the system with very different inputs, and then you're getting very different outputs. And I'm simplifying because it's not always as clear cut as that. Obviously, a lot of the examples in literature online will use simple examples because it's a nice way to get across the, the point. But then you're, you're basically in some way capturing what the system is doing. And then you're then using that as a baseline, which then means that you can basically then run these tests tomorrow. You could have made some changes and see, well, actually, are the outputs different to uh, to the baseline that you've captured um, today? It does, of course, get more complicated. Um, and there's some different ways you can do it. But that, that in essence, is um, the way I use it to, to characterize the behavior. Um, of the system sort of lock in place. Of course, um, many people will be like, okay, so you're capturing what the system does now, how do you know that what the system does now is what it should be doing? Again, you have to lean somewhat on the domain experts in the area, you'll have to go through the data with them. Um, but to a degree, it might not be feasible to go through all them depending on how much data you gather. Um, but you will have to make some assumption and sort of assume well, this is what it is today. Um, are we making it worse or better? And there might be some results you look at and you say, actually, these look a bit strange. Are these right? And you may, in the process of developing them for sure, maybe you might find some some bugs, but to a degree you have to trust um what you capture. Um, again, depending on the scale of of what you do.
2: For me, like uh, if I can add something to what, what you mentioned, Sam, is uh, if you mentioned like unit tests and integration tests and like proper ones, which are then part of the natural documentation living documentation right so they should be maintainable readable like there's be like high quality of these tests actually not only what they test but also the way they are written but golden masters in the end they are meant to be scrapped once you achieve certain goal of your modernization right so um usually they are not meant to like last right they are just there for very specific things so uh you may not find them the most maintainable and most readable types of tests but they do their specific job very well
0: yeah exactly the, uh, they're meant to be reasonably short short-lived and they're there as you said to serve to serve a purpose um and um yeah the, the reason you generally use them as well is maybe you can't write the lower down tests as well uh, you can't write them for whatever reason at least
2: at the beginning, right? So, yeah, once, exactly. At least at the beginning. So, like, exactly. one of the things to watch out for is that your uh, the delivery teams won't start using these as they're like typical in their feedback loops, right? So, just something to watch out for because uh, they're just not there to be maintained and be re- like really readable. So, be very hard to keep a suite of Golden Master test as your main testing suite. Right? So, just something yeah. to keep in mind because it may feel tempting at some point. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, you you want to develop your unit integration tests, et cetera, et cetera, and then you push out the the golden master. You know, the, you've you get to a point where you have enough where you can actually start writing those tests, changing the uh, the code, um, and, and start to push them out and get rid of them. Um, and then you're relying on, the, as you said, the high quality uh, former documentation uh, tests. Um, that will, will in general be much faster as well. We we'll give you faster feedback than because the tests often are run from the so far sort of on the boundary. Uh, they're much slower and expensive to run. Uh, as well. so uh, so yeah, Fav- favor favor your more unit integration tests. Performance is not the perk of golden Masters definitely. yeah yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they exactly. usually
2: you run them at it's nightly built or something and you come in the morning and you see the results
0: and um, yeah, yeah, exactly. feedbacks generally a lot of that. No, that's a good point. Well, one thing I want to talk about uh, which I think uh, we touched on um, a little bit um is is the domain knowledge um because you're you're in a sort of after this, even during discovery, you're going to, you're going to be relying on those domain experts and whoever has the knowledge to try and explain certain content concepts and transfer knowledge to a degree. However, throughout and particularly during the beginning, um, you're going to need to lean on those domain experts and find ways of making up for the fact that you, you're going to lack that domain knowledge, because for sure people are going to have this domain knowledge and you, you're not, um, unless you've, been in this area for ages, but assuming you're coming to this modernization projects, modernization project fresh, how, how do you think guys, how can you, how can you try and solve that
1: problem? Uh, at least to a degree. I think there's two sides to this. So first of all, how do you capture the information? I think there's quite a few techniques out there. Um, I think event storming is one. Um, another one is domain storytelling. Um, they Both essentially capture the domain within the context of business capability so when we talk about domain knowledge uh, it's important to think about it not in terms of uh, technical behavior but in terms of what does the business do so if you think about uh, an application that's um, taking orders for groceries right um you know what, what's the, what's the life cycle you know someone goes onto the website they purchase something they call it you know a basket or whatever and then they check out the basket and all those kind of domain terms uh, where you kind of get the main knowledge tells you what it's supposed to do, and 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 the role of a, a system or a parent context within Um, So I think the most important thing is to go through that, focus on it predominantly from the business side to begin with. I think where the challenge, where I find the biggest challenge comes in, is the fact that often, um, not always, but often these systems have been designed and built without great domain knowledge in itself. So you can go to a business. Um, Maybe it's user or SME, and they can describe the domain in potentially glowing terms. And then you look at the software, and it doesn't reflect that domain very well. Um, so I think there's there's that kind of that's the one of the bigger challenges I find. I think you can capture that information. Would, I'd recommend just using techniques that are already out there, like domain storytelling. But then mapping that back to the software uh, in a kind of feasible way can be very difficult, just because you know DDD principles haven't been applied when actually developing the software itself um, at which point you know you, you've got to make some decisions and judgment calls
2: you have to be aware that once you start digging in and asking people about that for business knowledge and what things should be doing like from a business perspective you may find that there's no centralized place like no one person that knows it all it's like you have to talk to a lot of people and actually once you be talking to them and selling to them uh like of the conversations went with others actually they will rediscover the system in some way to understand it right so there's just um a lot of the time they understand it through I don't know like the UI right through the screens not through like the core business workflows let's say um so that's something from my experience you most likely uh encounter and um And i think in general if i can generalize a bit our discussion like whatever we are discussing so the safety net you know the domain stuff you know the figuring out some of those architectural quality attributes and the metrics it's again it's like take your time in sprint zero but then do not fixate on still chiseling them out perfectly before you do anything with the code basically so just sprint zero like consider all of them, but then start doing something and try to reach that MVP. And so on. think about all those things as well, but do not have that perfect domain uh, view. Don't have that perfect, you know, these are the exact metrics that you'll be going for. So do not aim for perfection initially, right? It's all about that iterative, iterative process.
1: I think there's a, uh, an idea, I mean, a twofold idea. One is that you have to have a perfect, Domain model to begin with, um but you you, you know uh, DDD is iterative, right? So you you start off with what you think it is, you implement it, and then you find those gaps and you refine it over time, and that's part of becoming an SME in the space is you you learn about it. But then the other side of that, uh, I think, what a lot of people don't think about is that domains evolve, right? Business capabilities evolve, markets change. So there's a there even if you can try and pin down what you think is perfection today, which you probably is not perfection today. Um, It will inevitably change. Um, So yeah, I think you're absolutely right. You just got to kind of put a uh, a kind of line in the sand and say, this is good enough. Let's implement it. Um, And then as we learn more, we will just evolve the model. If the software is written well, um, you can do that. You're going to have to be okay with the fact that there's going to be a few fuzzy
0: things in the beginning. um, And you move forward with the best information you have um acknowledging that you are going to have to you are going to have to reevaluate as we spoke about before you're going to have to rethink a few things as well because for sure there's going to be things that maybe um either the way it was explained by a domain expert or the way that um you know you interpreted it or there was like an edge case that maybe wasn't explained you'll then have to really rethink some things because you'll get some new information and Say actually this isn't how it works or as you said Abdul, like on paper this is how it works in the code oh no it doesn't, it doesn't go well at that. And you'll be like, oh, okay, so we found this situation, um, you know. And in some cases, it might, it might be, oh, did we find a bug? Like, you know, this isn't what sh- this isn't what it should be doing. What should it be doing? And you see what I mean. So it's, you start having those conversations, but you only get to that point by moving forward, uh, as you said, and accepting the fact that you're going to have to, um, you know, start um, from an imperfect place um, or the best place you can at the time with the information that's available already. Thank you very much everyone um i think we have to we'll wrap up there any 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 thoughts any thoughts reflections on this conversation this last point is like key for me in the end right so it's like after the discovery
2: uh you have the initial set of initiatives the initial like the, the you know that was the most critical bits of, of the of the workload most likely but then you have another set of things to think about right so what are the metrics that you're going to use to measure your progress? Uh, like The domain knowledge, right? You need to like really dig in and know like really the domain as well. You need to think about how you're going to create those safety nets, which is through the testing suites, through SDLC automation to get the feedback. And you'll have to do all of those things, but keep in mind, don't try to be pitch perfect with them from the very beginning. Try to start actually... Terms of modernization and keep those things in mind and iteratively try to
1: work on them as well so that's like a key takeaway i guess for myself i don't really i think my my biggest summary would be just iterate focus on iteration focus on on failing and learning um at all stages in your project um and you know you you will you will, it, it perfection is that kind of um target you'll never achieve uh but it's a, a worthy target you just have to iterate across it and eventually You'll get where you need to, uh, but you have to start with that mentality. I think for me, I uh,
0: sort of along the same lines. It it, it is all one big experiment, um, and don't kid yourself that it's not. Like you're you're going to have to have the the you know the the discipline of a scientist. You're going to have to look at data, consult data, and be like, oh, "Are we moving in the right direction?" Um, you know. Uh, so for me, yeah, it, it's it's the fact that it's an experiment, um, even though you define these phases. And you might have a bias towards you know action and sort of quote unquote delivery in, 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 as you follow on from discovery you're still going to be discovering etc cetera, etc cetera. and it's all you know it, it's it's all going to be a mix to a degree and you, you might go through sort of micro uh cycles within that but yeah it's all one big experiment guys remember that i think next time we're going to have lots of things to dig into there's lots of things that you know i wanted to dig into today uh, which we can which we can get into more uh, in the next one course for, for everyone watching um, and listening feel free to give us your comments feedback um feel free to um you know like subscribe all that good stuff uh make a meme whatever you want to do um but yeah get in touch with any any feedback um you you have and, and also any topics you want us to speak about uh in in future episodes as well but yeah it's been great guys i've uh i've loved this yet again and i look forward to speaking again so thank you very much